Welcome to the future of space. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. Today we have Timo Mustanen. Timo is the founder of the Sustainable Space Economy Platform, which was recently launched at the Paris of Space Week. Looking forward to learn more about that. He is the CFO of Aurora Propulsion Technologies and has been recognized by LinkedIn as top 10 men to follow in aerospace. Timo, welcome to the future space. And Daniel, great pleasure to be here today. Looking forward to learning more about your uh, your project that you launched at Space Weeks. But before we get there, can you share with us three words to describe space? Uh, I would say uh, beautiful, silence, and future. That those were and those words come to my mind, beautiful, silence, and future. And how did you interest in space started at a really young age or did it come later? Can you tell us a little bit about the journey of Timo from high school or as a child looking up to the stars to uh, the CFO that you are and the space advocate that you are today? Well, uh, everything started from that I was born in eastern of Finland. 30 kilometers from Russian border. And when it was very, very cold winter night, you know, minus 35 Celsius degrees, you went outside and the stars were blinking. And then I uh, discussed with my father, hey, what is that star there? What is that star there? And it was, uh, you had this peaceful moment when it was very cold, you were able to hear everything, but still it was so calm you were able to enjoy the bright stars. So that's the first connection that I had. Then I was enjoying that for a while, continuing doing that. And then um, actually three years ago, my uh, old uh, colleague from Nokia called me that, hey, they are setting up a space company called Aura Propulsion Technologies. And they wanted to know if I'm excited about that. And then I was like, mm, what are you really doing? And they would say that we are doing uh, engines for the uh, small satellites and doing this and this. And I was like, mm, it sounds really, really cool. I want to be part of that. And that's how everything started. And how do you feel? I mean, you so your background, you worked at Nokia for a long time. And now you work within the space industry. What mm -hmm. is attractive to the space industry? What is the, the general mood? of the community, of the people. I mean, you were at Space Week, you know, recently. Um, what what makes you get up excited in the morning and get into the, the space business? Uh, I think it's, a, uh, it's new. It's fascinating. Every time when you mention that you are working with the space companies, like, what are you doing? It must be super exciting, uh, super difficult. Uh, it's high quality and everything like that. But in real life, it's not. So, for example, uh, our uh, thrusters are using uh, steam engines. So, and you know, that was invented ages and ages ago. So it's not modern technology after all. It's something simple, but people feel that, hey, it's super exciting. It's something super new. And how is the space community in Finland? Um, are you, is it, I'm pretty sure everyone, a lot of people know each other, but from the... Mm -hmm. From no, Finland, obviously, Nokia was a, was a, a predominant employer and uh, figure in the economy of Finland. And now, and now 
as space is opening up, how um, what's the the situation in Finland? So actually, uh, maybe people don't know, but this uh, uh, new space uh, ecosystem is very active in Finland, and uh, there are several new space companies in, very close to each other in Espo area in Finland, very close to Helsinki, and uh, people might know this uh, brightest star that we have, Ice uh, Eye. Uh, they have collected a huge amount of money and uh, and uh, they are very uh, public. And uh, our office, our office is only um, 10 minutes a walk away from ISI. And then there are other space companies in the same building. But those are mostly uh, new space companies and uh, uh, building the future and following ISI. ISI has been doing great work. And beyond, <clears throat> just before we get into the um, your new project, Beyond the technology and the the science, obviously that going to space will bring. Mm-hmm. What is for you the human story of going to space? What does it? Why does it matter to us and to to our relationship with the planet? So I would say that why wouldn't we go to space? So uh, people have always exploring new things and trying to find new countries and areas, and it's a, like a natural continuation that we get to the space and start learning things from there. Uh, understand how to benefit, uh, uh, how to get benefits to all of us on Earth. If you had the chance to um, to go to the space station, to the moon, or even a trip to uh, to Mars, would you take it? Well, good question. Uh, I have been earlier thinking that I'm too old there, but uh, I would love to be there. And uh, when the astronauts have been telling that how beautiful uh, Earth is from space, and they never forget it. So I would like to experience all this uh, silence, uh, beautiful things, and see the uh, Earth from space. Uh, that would be my dream, but maybe I'm all too old. Well, I think that's one of the um, the beauty of traveling or even going, to, you know, taking the plane is giving you a perspective, seeing things within the context mm-hmm. and seeing the Earth within the context of the universe, seeing the blackness mm-hmm. you know, of space and the brightness and the liveliness of the earth then reminds you of the scarcity and the specialness that we have on earth. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, from Frank White who coined the overview effect, but a lot of people experience this preciousness of the planet. And when they come back, their relationship is really changed. So just for the importance of really reconnecting with the planet i think anybody should go every, every everybody should go at least you know experience what it is to see the planet earth from from space yeah and actually understanding that, that how small we are so we are when you are on earth you feel that hey everything is very far away and if you want to travel to africa or us or everywhere it's so far away but then when you get to the space and you say uh, and see uh, a planet called Earth there. It's so small. And you think uh, totally differently after that. It is. <clears throat> I mean, going to nature for me, every time I've done these solo wilderness ex- you know, expeditions, going into the wilderness is an ex- exercise of humility and perspective. You're reminded of these nature forces that are bigger than you. I mean, as much as we think of ourselves as mm. capable of controlling them, we can only play with them. We can kind of direct them a little bit, but we cannot control mm. them. 
and going to space, you recognize like, oh my God, life is happening on such a bigger level. And if we don't take mm -hmm. care of the planet, it's much at our loss. I mean, the planet will take some time to recuperate, but it has gone through like so much worse mm -hmm. and we're just this tiny little, I mean, we have, we're extremely important because we're the only species who's about to take life outside of the planet. But at the same time, in the big scheme of evolution, mm -hmm. you know, we're just this tiny little part in the big puzzle. So yes, it is absolutely humbling um, to go and to be reminded of these things that are bigger than us. So your, your father was, was an instrumental um, uh, actor in your, in your love of the stars when you were young? Hmm. Yep, exactly. So and I hope that I can be a similar kind of uh, person to my daughters, 70 and 12 years old daughters. And when I'm thinking about their future, uh, I think that how I was working with uh, uh, my father, seeing stars and thinking about how beautiful everything is. So I would like to have similar kind of future to my uh, children as well. Well, I'm pretty sure your daughter would agree. Um, her father, her father is one of the top, you know, top ten men on on LinkedIn, recognized, you know, for the the aerospace. So I'm pretty sure you're doing a good job at home. Uh, thank you for the nice words, Timo. <clears throat> you were at Paris Space Week recently, and you yeah. launched your new project. Can you share with us? um what it is and what you're uh, aiming to achieve okay so uh the platform is called sustainable uh, space economy and uh what i want to tell a little bit background how i ended up to setting this up because it's about my values it's about my heart and it's about future generations so that time when i was uh, young in the, uh, living in the eastern of finland uh, i felt that the uh, uh, skies were so bright in the evening, summer was warm, uh, winter was right, you know, minus 25 Celsius degrees, and you enjoy the brightness of and beautiness and cleanness of the things. And I think people were also happier that time. And now when I'm looking around myself, I can see uh, COVID, I can see global warming. I think people are not that happy anymore. There's uh, more pollution that we had when I was young. And I have started thinking, hey, what kind of heritage I want to give to my daughters? And uh, since I have been working earlier with Nokia, I know how to make things happening. People call me Smiley Whip. Uh, Nokia was my uh, second uh, university. So I was working with the supply chain, R&D, product marketing, internal accelerator, and so on. And uh, I never had a uh, possibility to have own uh, people working for me directly. And my bosses told me, hey, Timo, you need to have a story. And when people follow your story, you will get the resources and uh, funding and the people. And I practiced this storytelling for uh, 15 years. And I, that was a really uh, the, my second university. I learned how to do it. And I call myself neo-generalist. So I know how the company works, how different persons work in their own silos and how to make them work together. So that's, that's one part. And the second part is now when working for three years at our proposal diagnosis, a different kind of university again. And I started to put the building blocks together that, hey, Aurora is providing 
technology for sustainable use of space, uh, water-based thrusters and plasma break. But then the question is that Aurora is not able to save the world and save the space alone. So it's much, much bigger phenomenon. There are uh, space launchers, there are uh, space lawyers, there are component manufacturers and so on. So I want to bring all these different stakeholders together and have much bigger uh, vision. And combining this uh, storytelling, getting people involved, having experience about space, uh, feeling in my heart that I want to uh, make things better for the future generations, that all this came uh, together uh, when I was thinking what I really want to contribute to the future. And then I said, hey, it's sustainable space economy because it brings uh, together earth and space and the values that I have and the feeling that I have in my heart. So that was the background for this. Uh, it's simply called sustainable space economy. And like you said, I had this privilege to launch it in collaboration with Paris Space Week on 14th of March this year. And they wanted to say that they, they also want to show leadership in this sustainable space economy. So I'm very happy about that. So how is it going to work? Is it going to be um, like an online platform or is it an event or what is the logistic around the, um, the sustainable space economy? Okay, so it will, uh, it has three pillars. So the first one is uh, communication. That's what I'm doing also today. So I want the people to understand the sustainable use of space is very important. And very many of my friends are saying, hey, Timo, you are talking about things that will happen in 10 years' time. But I've said, hey, uh, if I start talking about those and uh, sharing information and rewarding the companies that are already doing something towards sustainable use of space, things will uh, speed up. So I want to start from this communication and getting people aware of what we are uh, doing and want to make people uh, proactive. So that we are doing things uh, proactively and not waiting that when we already have the disaster like space debris. Uh, second pillar of this platform is that uh, when companies start thinking that, hey, we should be doing something with sustainability and really, uh, really doing something and not just talking like blah, 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 blah. So, and, and very many companies are uh, uh, easily talking about sustainability. But when I said, hey, where's your strategy? What do you really want to do? Is it, well, we don't know exactly, but we are doing this and that and there. So this platform is helping together with my partners, to educate them, train them, uh, having the process management uh, pro, uh, options, then strategy uh, facilitation and that kind of consultancy services to help them to grow and understand better how they are contribute. But this is not enough. I have also this third pillar. I want that companies start to work together and they are solving problems like zero carbon in space, recycling in space. So that, uh, for example, talking about this zero carbon, we cover upstream and downstream. So starting from the thing that when you start building the satellites, what are the materials that you are using? Uh, where those materials come from? How you launch your satellite? Uh, are you using um, then, uh, for example, deorbiting for your satellite or not? And when there are companies buying the data from your constellation, they will be sooner or later asking that how green the data is. 
what they get. And think about companies that are non-space companies at the moment, and they want to get to the space. They want to get this data and uh, analyze it and provide better services. So they have already heritage from Earth to talk about sustainability. And when they get to the space, they will start requesting that, hey, I want to know how sustainable uh, your things are. Because they don't want to say that, uh, yes, on Earth, we talk about sustainability, we take it seriously, but then when you get to the space, then you forget everything. So those were the three pillars, uh, having communication, uh, understanding what individual companies can be doing, and then the third one is how we can uh, collaborate uh, together. And I want to involve all the uh, space stakeholders, the not only single companies. So uh, when talking about Aurora Propulsion Technologies, Aurora is a component supplier, but there are so many other stakeholders there. And I want to bring all together, starting from ESA, NASA, Space Launch Source, uh, and so on. So it's a collaboration. Finally, and this sustainable space economy will be the, uh, the most impactful uh, platform to make impact in the sustainable use of space. Now, so <clears throat> some people uh, will obviously understand what is the definition of sustainability on Earth, the carbon footprint, um, having the impact on a lo uh, local community. Um, but when it comes to space, what is really the definition of something of a sustainable economy once you're in orbit or on the moon or on Mars? What would be the, that definition? I think that uh, plenty of things are still developing and uh, it's, it's a good question. I think that I have difficulties to answer that question. So I apologize that part. No worries. It's, I think it's important, obviously, that these, um, as we go to space, to keep in mind of uh, mm -hmm. the complexities of of our relationship with our environment, that it's just not a, a one-way um, relationship where we can take everything. Obviously, now we have the understanding that in space there is going to be a lot of traffic and a lot of debris, and we have companies like Privateers is going to really looking into the the collecting of that and going to the moon. Obviously, there's going to be some um, ethics and new questions, you know, been asked. So I guess from your perspective, being sustainable is just understanding that we have a relationship with the environment, whether that environment is the planet, the orbit, the moon or Mars. And we have to understand these, the reciprocity in that relationship. Am I correct? Yeah, actually, uh, very correct. And I'm happy that you even mentioned this Mars or maybe Jupiter or so on. So uh, it's not all about just talking about space, but we will be uh, reaching the uh, different planets as well. So we need to take that into account as well. So yeah. this long-term perspective there. But I fully aligned with you. And what? So you you mentioned earlier about the importance of storytelling. Um, a lot of mm -hmm. the issues that we have right now is precisely about the story that we've created about the human species and going to space. A lot of people think that the human species mm -hmm. is not a really good species, uh, while others think that, I, and I personally think that life 
is created in a way that unfortunately is a little bit messy and complicated. Every species has by default will push their environment to the bound to, to the extreme because we're, we're mm. life expands and grows <clears throat> until it finds a limit. And then it has to figure out how to move forward. That's how life evolved from single mm. cell to these complicated beings that we are right now. Now we're just, mm. we're, at the stage that we've reached the capacity of the planet, then that is forcing us to reassess how we want to move forward. But it's also giving the incentive to people to go and seek beyond and to push the limits of what is possible. What is your, from your, your point of view, what is the, the change of perspective with the storytelling about us on the planet, but also going to space? How important is it to change that story? Uh, it's extremely uh, important to change it. But then the question is how to change it and how difficult it is to change. And uh, uh, people are easily asked, hey, where's the beef? Where's the business case? Why we should be doing this? So uh, I want to avoid talking about business case. I want to talk about values and about your heart. And Daniel, uh, I believe that you have children in your neighborhood and you know about children. And uh, uh, what is your feeling in your heart? What kind of uh, heritage you would like to give to the people, uh, to those young people? So question to you, actually. No, I think that the, the part of what I understand is in people's heart is obviously there's a feeling of abandonment you know people don't they want to feel heard and connected and i think that right now in the world hmm. there's it's been complicated for people to f understand their place in this globalization hmm. they see a lot of people with a lot of success and then they see themselves you know kind of losing or not understanding how how to um to put food on the table and ultimately this is one, this is one mm. of the, the things I've always enjoyed in my travels is that I love to sit at the tables of my guests and hear their stories. And you realize that everybody mm. at, the, at the core of it, at the, at the beginning, everybody is concerned about putting food on the table, sending their children to school. And then after that, things get a little bit complicated. Mm. And climate change is obviously bring a certain, is threatening this capacity that they have and also going to space for mm -hmm. some is making them feel like okay you know the people that can't afford it will go away while we're stuck behind having to deal with it mm -hmm. so the story that needs to be told is not really just about science and technology but it's about reassuring that it's for the benefit it's going to be helping mm -hmm. everyone so that everyone can connect and participate and i think that's mm -hmm. that's one I've, I've said often that that was one of the failures of the environmental movement because they made the story of climate change about saving a planet rather than saving ourselves. Mm. And mm. everybody, most of the people, <clears throat> would love to save the planet, but they're more concerned about saving their own family. And if they have to choose between mm -hmm. doing the right thing for the planet or doing the right thing for their family, they will do the right thing for the family. And unfortunately, right now in our mm -hmm. society, 
sometimes doing the right thing for your family is not necessarily the right thing for the planet because of the economics mm -hmm. and the fact that doing the the less expensive solution that you have to you is not necessarily the best one. Um, so it's mm -hmm. understanding that people don't do things specifically to be bad or to destroy the environment. They try to do things with the capacity mm -hmm. that they have right now. So the story mm -hmm. really has to be about us, our own decision of how we choose to move forward mm -hmm. and connecting to the ones who feel left behind and not heard. So this, this is, and this is, you know, this is what I, I've done with nature also, you know, nature, how can you tell people to stop growing when growth is an inherent reality of life? You need to, you need to give them an idea of how to grow, maybe not just in a linear way, but in a more holistic way, understanding, you know, the Japanese have the Utori. I know that uh, Elizabeth uh, Railworth uh, has the donut economic model. There's different models of growth that are more sustainable. Um, so it's it's yeah. really important to, to shift. And I recently wrote that uh, recently about the necessity for creative storytelling and telling the human story of going to space. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to add um, anything? Well, uh, when I was listening to you, I have the feeling that I have uh, known you for years. You are like my soulmate. And uh, about the sustainable space economy, uh, I want to point out one specific thing. So, uh, very important part is this sustainability, and uh, we need to understand that it's defined with three things. So, one is this social, environmental, and economic part. And uh, when I'm thinking about my friends, I have plenty of friends in LinkedIn, and I want to chat with all of those. And let's say that uh, somebody is living in Pakistan or uh, wherever. Uh, I want to see that people must be equal. If it's about space, how to benefit from space, how to learn things, new things from space, or uh, to get warm food to the table, every day. So people should be much more equal. And I'm worrying that uh, with the space race, uh, we are talking about that, hey, uh, poor people there and there will get a connection to the internet and so on and so on. But I still have the uh, fear that those can be uh, nice words. And then there's always finally the business case, that if there's a business case, it will be done. So, but I would like to get to the level that people think with their heart much more and think that, hey, what is uh, benefiting all of us and uh, making all of us uh, happier? And uh, just think about it. If every person is happy on Earth, so even the Earth would be doing much better. That, that's my vision. Of course, there's everybody can disagree and say, Timo, you are just over-optimistic and you are thinking like that. But I have to believe that if you can dream it, you can do it. So never stop dreaming about things. Absolutely. And never stop looking up to the stars because 
dreams come from the stars and we have to make sure that people mm -hmm. are able to experience a night sky you know saturated with stars because right? obviously living in cities you start to forget that there's even you know this this world of 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 unlimited uh, the the possibilities when you look up um and there's obviously you can experience that by going into a planetarium and having a, a star show but it doesn't change it will never replace this visceral experience of finding yourself in the middle of nowhere and looking up and seeing the the, the scale of it and and understanding that every star has a world and there are millions and then there are billions of it so when, when I was that young and uh, I went outside with my daddy and see the stars, I remember that that time I saw some uh, stars flying. And then when those were flying, you were able to hope, make a hope that, hey, I wish this and this. And I remember that time when I was young, I was wishing uh, this and this and that. And now when I think about my past and now when I go outside, I don't see this uh, space in the same way anyway uh, anymore. So I can see the stars flying and I'm not making hopes that I want to make this and this happening. So I would like to experience that uh, myself and with my daughters getting to the outside, having total darkness, no any lights, no any cars, and you can hear the silence and you can see uh, stars flying. And then you start saying, hey, I hope that this and this will be true. So something very simple. And I believe that when you have been traveling a lot and you have been experienced a lot, so maybe you have been somewhere in the desert, for example, and see the stars uh, flying, it must have been a very unique experience for you as well. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's the, the finding the right balance between technology and getting the innovation yeah, as a society growing, but at the same time, um, protecting a different kind of relationship with the world. Um, we could say that one, you know, there's a conflict there. Obviously, we want the conveniency. Nobody wants to go back to how things were 500 years ago. Uh, there is a mm -hmm. lot of develop. I mean, we live in the world today of amazing opportunities. Um, yes, we have challenges, but we have a science and technology that is offering a lot of benefits. And unfortunately, it's connected with this growth and this um, rise of innovation. Going back, if going back in time to the way things were 500 years ago is at the expense of losing all the, the, mm. the improvement that we've done, um, then there's no point. But how can we move forward by continuing our capacity to innovate but at the same time, by protecting and taking care of a world that can be experienced, that it not that is not necessarily about innovation, but it's about experiencing the simplicity and the essence of nature and of life. What do you think? Well, actually, a uh, very good point. Uh, what I was thinking when you were talking that uh, if I had a, a time machine, I would like to go backwards. Let's say. Uh, uh, 30 years and uh, live for a moment in that time and experience that hey this and this is not working no mobile phones maybe not that many computers either 
and then come back to the current moment and start understanding that, hey, how good things are at the moment. And we shouldn't be complaining and uh, trying to get all the time more and more. So I guess that could be a good lear- learning journey to get to the past for a week and then come back and say, hey, actually, things are very, very good. And I'm not uh, required that much more. Do you actually do you actually think that uh, uh, time travel is a... Uh, I always have trouble when I watch movies. The, the logistic and the mathematic reality of time travel. Do you think it's there will be a day where where it's possible? I I hope so. My uh, young daughter is talking about that, so that uh, she's dreaming about that. That will happen. But when I was talking about getting to the past and and, try, and starting to understand things better and evaluating things better, but how about if we could uh, 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 fly to the future? and see what is happening, how we destroyed everything. We uh, maybe moved to the space because we were not able to live on Earth anymore. So I would like to do that to the uh, different direction as well and understanding and showing that, hey, this will happen. And uh, I know that with my sustainable space economy platform, uh, I will uh, make this uh, time shift and how it's going to work uh, we have all the digital possibilities to make videos, for example, and uh, show how uh, uh, we destroy the Earth and so on. So uh, I can show together with uh, space students, for example, and other young people. So, hey, this is the uh, one thing that can happen. Do you want this to happen? It's not real thing, but at least it can wake up people thinking that, hey, what about if that really happens? If satellites are hitting the Brussels one day and destroying every, every, uh, everything there? So think about that. Or if the war gets to space and countries start fighting against each other in space, are they going to destroy the space and things on Earth as well? So what, what are the things that we want to have in the future? And I want to see the people really uh, are awake and start talking about it. So with my platform, this with this communication part, so I want to ha- have it totally different kind of communication, not only sharing information, but uh, using even uh, guerrilla marketing to get the message through. Do you think that one of the, well, so two things, the level of conversation that you're aiming to achieve with the sustainable, um, space economy uh, is a, a certain a certain maturity. Um, and I think that as a human civilizations, we're getting more mature, slowly, gradually. Um, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> well, we're still we're still the, the youngest species in evolution. We're like the the teenager who believes that, the, you know, needs to prove itself that we can exist. And it's through the, the challenges and sometimes, you know, often the pain that we get the humility. Because um, I do believe like in Europe, in Europe, there's a history of loss and tragedies and wars and which has created a different set of values. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's you yeah. don't work is really just not just priority number one at the center your quality of life food is really important you need Mm -hmm. to gather around you know around the table in america it's more 
you know, about <clears throat> other values, economic values or professional values. But as we, it's like when, when you're a teenager and then you get into, and teenager is more that black and white energy that you need to, to start a business or to create that place mm -hmm. in life. And then as you get into your, as an adult, and then you've, you've experienced a couple of failures, you see, you start to see the world in more grays and your values are different. But so, but ultimately mm -hmm. you want to have, you, you want to live in a society where you have a little bit of balance between the elder, the, the elders and the youngsters, um, so that you have the mm -hmm. wisdom with that, that, that go getting um, energy. You were talking about your, your daughter earlier and she's 12 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and the older one is 17. Oh, and then the other one, 17. So, so yeah. two daughters, 12 and 17, are they both excited about, I, there's a lot of stress and anxiety put on the younger generation right now. I, I, I see it, I feel it in the way that they communicate with me and the way that they see the future. Is it the same for you children or have you been able to create, frame the story in the way that they feel that they have a capacity to change it and they're, they're, um, they're excited about uh, moving forward. So I have the feeling that uh, I notice how stressed they are and how early they need to make all the decisions. Uh, but they are not uh, thinking in the same way. They feel the pressure uh, in a better way. Uh, but and when I look at my daughters, they are very uh, positive people. They are said, hey, everything will uh, work. Everything will happen. Uh, there will be bright uh, future for them. But and I'm extremely happy to see that uh, how they feel about things. So they are not too stressed yet. But I'm still worried about that uh, when I was young, you know, 40 years ago, uh, uh, I was extremely uh, happy. I didn't know all the things uh, what is happening uh, everywhere. But now when you think about uh, young people or older people right now, everything happens very close to you. If something happens in Ukraine, you will uh, hear about that in uh, one minute. So everything is smaller and you know all those uh, war news and everything in your daily life. And, but then when uh, I was young, I didn't have that pressure and all this uh, information flow around me. So uh, I hope that uh, our young generations uh, remember that uh, they don't need to be uh, every time involved in the news and uh, thinking about everything. And they are able to focus on their own things, what they want to do and what are the things that they uh, uh, what are the things that uh, make them happy? Do you think it's one of the unfortunate realities of some of these advantages that we're getting in our society? Our society is becoming more complex. The tools that are giving to us is forcing mm -hmm. us to spend more time in developing the skills. And unfortunately, in the past, we've chosen to not spend the energy in developing the, the tools rather because of economic reasons we're focused more on getting the benefits at any cost rather than really think of the impact of it mm -hmm. uh, obviously the 
information. I look at the, the younger generation having to deal with filtering all this information that is coming to them. And a lot of information is not really good mm -hmm. information. And the burden is left on them to figure out what is real and what is not real and how does it affect my future. Um, so I guess part as a parent in this culture is to making sure that your children have the right skills and tools to navigate yeah. this complex world, correct? Yeah, and uh, once again, I, I fully agree with you. Uh, but then uh, I guess one of the challenges is that the parents uh, feel the pressure also more and more, and they don't have the time to understand how the uh, young people are doing. And it's easy to leave them alone. Uh, they come to, uh, home alone, uh, parents come back to, uh, from the office very late in the evening. They continue working from home. And those young people are left alone. And uh, somehow the feeling is that, hey, when they get to the school, teachers will take care of the children. But that's, uh, that's teachers. Uh, being a parent is totally different. Now back to the, um, the space, um, sustainable space economy. What, what was the reaction shortly in the uh, at the Paris Space Week from the European Space Agency and all the people that you spoke to? Well, uh, I was extremely happy about the feedback. So there were very many people approaching me and saying, hey, Timo, now is the right time to talk about this. Uh, you are talking about right things. Uh, seems that you have been using time to think about how this works. You have built the storyline. And uh, especially I was able to see that when I was uh, asking about uh, if you have children or grandchildren and what kind of heritage you want to give to them. So it was, uh, it made a very good impact to the people. And during Paris Space Week, nobody, nobody came to me and asked about the business case. So I was extremely happy about that. So they were said, hey, uh, we're doing right things. And people came to me and said, I want to do something with you. Let's have a discussion after Paris Space Week. And I was able to see that uh, the passion there, and maybe it was because the event, it had different kind of people uh, visiting Paris Space Week, but it was like getting the home and the, all the organizers when we're talking about this sustainability, it was just so easy uh, discussion. So <clears throat> extremely happy about this, what happened in Paris. Nice, wonderful to hear. Now, if people want to learn more about the story of the sustainable space economy and learn more about the platform and the, the people that are involved and what are the plans, where do they go? So uh, first one, of course, I want to uh, network with people in LinkedIn so because it's my own uh, initiative and I want to be interactive with the people. So I want to be chatting. I don't want to have a day. I have 15,000 followers but I want to have uh, right people. Uh, when people have their birthday, I want to have and uh, celebrate it with, together with them. Uh, another place where to get this is www.sustainable-space-economy.com. Uh, it will be updated the website uh, to hear the latest news from Paris, for example. Next week, we'll, there will be uh, videos about Paris Space Week, about my presentation and photos. Uh, this video will be published there as well. And uh, uh, last but not least, uh, 
there are different uh, space events like ILA Berlin, Berlin uh, Space Tech Expo, European Space Week, and so on. Uh, I will be presenting things about uh, sustainable space economy there as well. And uh, I know it's COVID time and you are not able to uh, read uh, and meet people face to face. But if anybody wants to talk about partnership or collaboration, or just has the feeling that I have something in my heart, I want to talk about it. Ping me in uh, LinkedIn, that's the easiest way to find myself. Let's have a Zoom. I always have time uh, in the evening or weekend to talk about important things. So I really want to contribute together with the others. Uh, and about this initiative, uh, I don't want that people say that Timo was starting this, Timo was doing this and that, but I want to see that we were doing things together. So remember, we and collaboration. And I would like to more this uh, storytelling person, orchestra leader and empowering the others. And uh, when I'm away, uh, people can be saying that, hey, daddy did something great. He started this together with the others. And uh, things at least didn't get worse. And I'm rem remembered for the good things. I'm pretty sure that your daughters are proud and will be proud of, of what you've achieved. We'll make sure that the, the links are, um, I mean, for your LinkedIn profile and for the um, your platform are in the uh, description or the comments so that people can have a look. Um, I think I might be in Paris later this year for the, uh, so we'll make sure to, to, to uh, get together. And if you do come to America, which I hope you will, um, we'll find a way to for a path across. Timo, it was a pleasure uh, discussing with you and learning about the sustainable uh, space economy. Thank you so much for sharing with us this new project. And Daniel, uh, I would want yep. to say thanks to you as well. Uh, things that you were telling during the interview is showing that you have experienced very many things and uh, uh, you are, have wise words. So it was a learning journey to me as well. So it was really pleasure to have this discussion with you. And I really, really want to continue discussion with you and collaboration. So thank you really for this moment with you. No, thank you. And then the next time we'll make sure to sit down. We'll properly, we'll have a bottle of wine and we can have this conversation because so much conversation happens around food and wine. And I think that's the beauty of life. If you can have a table, mm. you can have good friends, good conversations, good food, good wine. This is paradise for me. So uh, we'll make sure. So this, so so this has been agreed now. So excellent, Timo. Thank you so much. Have a good evening, and uh, we'll see you soon. Um, likewise, and thank you for this fantastic moment with you.